0: Hello, welcome to episode 44 of the Inside Social Work podcast. I'm your host, Mariva carcas and today I have with me um, a policy geek, a self-described policy geek. So Jack Whitney um, is involved in policy and advocacy and has had a lot of experience uh, moving up through different uh, organisations and services, both in a voluntary and paid capacity, and is really passionate about... Um, about policy, I'd like to start today by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land uh, on which we podcast today. So I'm, uh, I'd like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and pay my respects to owls as past, present, and emerging. We have had such an incredible last few guests. So hearing from Caitlin last week about her experiences in the Northern Territory uh, were really, really interesting. And listening to Kate a couple of weeks ago about job hunting. So if you haven't uh, caught those yet check them out when you're ready uh, when you have a bit of time and for those listening you know would really appreciate if you could uh, put a rating or review um, and like the podcast wherever it is you get your podcasts from it really helps more people uh, hear about the inside social Ed podcast and uh, an opportunity for our guests to reach a wider audience and share their stories with with more listeners so yeah whenever you uh if you get a chance that'd be really great we can also um we're building up the inside social work facebook group so if you want to pop in there um you can chit chat post some questions um and contribute to some of the episodes that we're recording uh, recently we've put out a request to share some self care tips so if you're interested uh, you can send a little voice recording to me at marie m-a-r-i-e at the InsideSocialWork.com, uh, and I'm compiling uh, some episodes on self care. Anyway, without further ado, here is my episode with Jack. Hey, welcome to the podcast. Um, I'm talking with Jake Whitney. Welcome. Oh, sorry, Jake. Jack Whitney. I'm so sorry. <laughs> what a great start. Um, welcome to the podcast, Jack.
1: Hi there, Marie. Thank you for having me today. And, um, and my name is Jack Whitney. I'm president of the Australian Association of Social Workers here in. New South Wales. Um, I'm a social worker that's worked across uh, domestic violence, child protection, um, and in the policy realm. Uh, And I'm currently uh, a manager at Sydney Children's Hospital Network where I manage the diversity health unit, but uh, I'm also involved in um, social work leadership roles on a number of boards, including the New South Wales uh, Council of Social Service and Youth Action um, and the Institute for Healthy Communities Australia. That sounds
0: um, like a full schedule.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a busy time. It's a busy time, but it's, um, it's great to be here. And, and I just want to acknowledge that um, I, I am uh, uh, speaking on Aboriginal land and I want to acknowledge the traditional custodians um, who, whose land that we are meeting, we are all on Aboriginal land, um, and the continuing connection of uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people to this land uh and pay respects to elders past present and those of the future and those tuning in great
0: thank you so you mentioned so you're involved with the ASW, um as well as a few other bits and pieces could you rewind your i guess career back and just let listeners know where you started and and come with some of the things that have, you know you've done on your journey and so sure
1: yeah sure uh so I would say that my social work journey really started at university uh, where I was involved in student welfare and student governance and uh, some call it student politics and where I ran on um, a student welfare platform. And I was really, I was really aware that students were doing it really tough where I was starting when I was studying social work. I heard that some students were you know, going out with um, food and in particular, um, there was a lot of stuff happening on campus when Tony Abbott became prime minister and there was a lot of cuts to education and there was also um, a whole lot of things happening for international students. And I saw that as a real problem as a, as a student on campus but also as someone studying social work where we're looking at access and equity and outcomes for the different populations and ensuring that, um, that there's a fair distribution of resources and, and for the like even from a mental health perspective as well. Um, so from that point, I got elected to the student um, board and SRC, and uh, I was involved in a lot of different campaigns. Um, so I was very much involved in, like, political and radical social work practice. Uh, that's what some call it, but I call it just being um, involved in, you know, your civic duties. Uh, and then I um, graduated and I um I sort of dabbled a bit in uh, doing um, community organizing and uh, holding some uh, roles in political um, staffer roles. Um, I also interned at Human Rights Watch, uh, where I looked at a lot of human rights violations internationally, but also locally around refugees and the sign seekers. Uh, and that was, that was a great experience. And then I went uh, to... Working in hospitals, which was very different uh, in the sense that on the front line, and actually seeing how the the vulnerabilities and the the um, inequities that parent people were experiencing directly, and how that had an impact on their health. Uh, so I started at Hawkesbury Hospital, where I was one of two social workers um, across the whole hospital, delivering you know, maternity, ED, surgical, general. Um, pediatrics and and then i went into liverpool hospital which is a major tertiary hospital and that was working in maternity and pediatrics um, specifically and that was um, a great role to sort of you know really cut my teeth into and then i went into a p- policy consultant role um, where i worked with federal government on a lot of federal government initiatives from um, domestic violence right through to um, public health initiatives and in Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities. It was a, I worked for an Indigenous um, agency. And and then um, in my current role, which is at the Children's Hospital, where I manage um, the Diversity Health Unit, delivering strategy and policy across the hospital network to improving outcomes for um, different population groups, from people with disability to, um, to uh uh, LGBTIQ populations and to um, cold populations, refugees and asylum seekers to deliver equitable resources and um, care across the hospital. Um, and, you know, while I'm doing this, I'm, you know, president of the ASW, which sort of feeds into this sort of policy work, um, convening of the gay and lesbian rights lobby as well, which I forgot to mention, uh, where I'm very passionate about that advocacy work.
0: That's um that's quite a lot there. And you're a self-confessed policy geek as well, so that makes yeah. sense, uh, <laughs> that journey into uh, policy and advocacy.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I see policy as really a great way to sort of bring social work into a realm that I think a lot of us are sort of uncomfortable with because we are so interested in, and and so well equipped to sort of delivering initiatives face-to-face on the front line um, through our counseling and therapeutic work and our group work and our family work um, and even on the community development level on the ground and in a grassroots kind of way but actually how do we how do we make policy that is making changes on the ground how can we have the left and right hand working together and so to speak with at the coalface, but also linking that in a co-design sort of way. Um, so, where I went at Inside Policy, which was that Indigenous agency, I, I worked across Australia, delivering um, different initiatives. Um, and in particular, I was uh, part of developing a wellbeing outcomes framework for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children, and that was a whole government approach and framework to look at how they're funding and delivering initiatives to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children. Um, So I co-designed that wellbeing outcomes framework with uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities um, in dry communities, but also in just rural remote communities and metropolitan areas, Um, really. And that was about speaking to communities about what is the best outcome for children? What does the best life for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children look like? But also coming in with that social work perspective and that social work Lens that there's power in this, and for me coming into the situation, uh, there's a power dynamic, and also as a as an, as a, a white fella, um, and from a government perspective as well, and being able to have those sort of conversations in a in a way that enables for solutions to be identified by community, um, and not placing your own uh, viewpoints and and values onto different communities as well. Um, and I worked with, like, lawyers and, and uh, you know, those sort of brains which had a very different way of working. Um, so I think we need more social workers who are more policy geeks.
0: Mm, and I really like the emphasis on that co-design and working with um, with people which we know has really, you know, significantly better outcomes because you're, you're not kind of coming top down and just implementing something where people don't... Um, on board all those practicalities that maybe haven't been considered for those mm. on the receiving end i wanted to i mean it might be a hard example so you feel free to think of a fictional um, example but is there how would you explain to listeners what what good policy looks like versus bad policy so how you know something can be created that is actually effective and how something can be that's not
1: mm. I think um, bad policy. So I grew up during John Howard, um, and and uh, one day Kevin Rudd became prime minister, and I assume, and, and then I learned about this thing called democracy, because um, I just assumed John Howard was our dictator um, <laughs> as a kid. As a kid. Um, but I learned a lot about the about the intervention and when working in that in this place um in that role um i had saw the impact of what punitive sort of um policies can make so on you're, a community.
0: you're referring to the northern territory intervention
1: yeah correct yeah. so yep. for
0: those listening um if you're not familiar with australian history you can do a bit of a search and find out a bit more about that
1: yeah yeah absolutely and uh so that's that's a uh, a policy and a, and a government, um, a government way of working with communities that are uh, that further propagate this, um, you know, stereotypes. But also, um, it doesn't do anything to improving outcomes. It doesn't do anything to working with communities um, on a on a therapeutic level or on a um, on a equal level. So when I came into this role, and it was actually about working with communities to identify solutions and not um, to impose uh, solutions, which are, you know, I think for everyone that can agree, problematic. Um, So I would say that's you know a a bad example of of policy, Um, and what good policy should be is about creating, um, seeking to improve outcomes for vulnerable vulnerable groups and involving. the, you know, the ethics and values of social work, which is about equity, social justice, access, which are you know, universal and um, indivisible. Um, and, and people in government need to better engage people like social workers or, or, or um, professions like social work in the pursuit for equal treatment and protection under policy and law, because um, what we need is, is a, a cultural understanding, we need to have an impact of history and the impact of trauma and loss, uh, the recognition of human rights, uh, the impact of racism, and stigma. Uh, I, I think as well in, in good policy, there needs to be, uh, when working with you know, these communities as well, uh, the recognition of um, kinship and family is very central, um, cultural diversity and strengths and things like that. Um, so in any policy as well, in any good policy, there needs to be a responsiveness, an awareness, safety for communities, all communities. Um, they need to be informed um, and holistic and, and as well as self-deterministic.
0: Yeah, there's so many things to consider. And I think social workers are so well placed to consider all those different components and look at the mm. sort of macro and systemic levels of how we interact yeah a lot of our um our guests in the past you know working in a direct practice role they pick up additional um like training they might do work in you know trauma or cbt like they pick up additional sort of things what sort of um things would you recommend or have you done if you want to really focus in on policy and advocacy are there any additional uh trainings or things that you've invested some time in to increase um your skill set, or other people looking to get into that mm. kind of work, should look at.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, as a relatively young professional um, and person, um, there's only so many things that you can do in your job, um, because in your job, there and it depends what your job is, but um, there's a hierarchy, there's a structure, there's defined roles. Um, And there's a lot of, you know, different uh, legislation that sort of impacts your ability to sort of develop your skills in a real sort of practical way without outside of, you know, training and, and, you know, further education. So what I did and what I saw is really important is that I sought out roles outside of my job in a volunteer or, you know, in a stipend honorarium sort of way where I did it outside of my job or I did it, um, I did outside of, you know, work hours on the weekend um, and, you know, that's, there were sometimes elected roles on a board where I got, you know, I had a, I had a, an ability to sort of make important decisions, um, you know, work with different stakeholders like government or politicians, meet with politicians, um, you know, write a submission, uh, work with, different staff to write policy submissions and present inquiries, uh, doing that important stakeholder work, which really in a full-time job or in a job when you're starting out or even, you know, not even starting out, you don't really get until you've had those years of experience prior. Um, so I would say for anyone listening, if you want to learn policy now, if you want to, even as a social worker in your full-time role, um, or even, you know, leaving social work and finding a role outside of that. Look for roles where you can sort of do that policy um, engagement with um, an advocacy organisation, whether it's um, your professional association like the WSW, or whether it's another organisation um, that you're passionate about personally. Mine was, um, you know, for example, the New South Wales Gay and Lesbian Rights Lobby, where I was elected co Kamina and I got to, I, I still get to um, meet with politicians and engage on that level um, and you know, do media, write opinion pieces and you know, have my name um, out there, uh, but also uh, running for something, running for a board uh, that is a peak organization that is really important to members or other member organizations and having a say and doing that assessment on a governance level. Because governance is also about management and that broader thinking and strategy and policy, whether it's risk or whether it's finance or whether it's um, HR, that sort of stuff. Uh, and that's why I'm able to speak the language this way at you know, 27 years old, because I've been able to you know, run for things and, and be fortunate enough to have that opportunity. Um, so I really encourage social workers to do that.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. And I think a lot, of, um, a lot of the guests have kind of mentioned that you can get involved with lots of things in an area that you're interested in. It's something I definitely encourage my students to do is mm. no one job has to provide all the bits. <laughs> um, Absolutely. And you can, you, you know, as much, and I'm a very big advocate for um, getting paid your worth but there are also opportunities to do volunteer work or to be working alongside someone, um, which is, you know, it's, it's different to, I guess, being paid your work if you're choosing to yeah. volunteer and build your skills and contribute and upskill. I think they're very important things. Um, yeah, so a lot of those things you've done have sort of slowly, slowly added skills, which then got you probably another position, which added skills and, and all the way through yeah. to where you are now. Anything yep. anything more formal, um, you know, it, so, uh, anything like around... Like so further
1: education? So,
0: yeah, like writing skills or mm-hmm. co-design, any any sorts of things like that because they're, they're all terms that um, I think people yeah. are familiar with but maybe yeah. don't know how to go about it.
1: Yeah, I think um, so with uh, co-design and sort of the consulting sort of world, uh, a lot of that sort of experience came through Looking at different courses, um, whether it was through uh, a lot of different civil society organisations, they um, are partnering with like private sector. So looking at you know Deloitte, KPMG, PwC, those big firms that are sort of partnering with different civil based organisations and delivering training. Um, there's different organisations in different states as well. So mine are you know, New South Wales Council of Social Service and Youth Action, New South Wales, who are the sort of peak bodies. For young people, and then the community sector, and they deliver training as well, and upskilling, and capacity building, and run different courses. Um, there's also uh, a lot online. So there's um, the Australian Centre for Social Innovation. They do courses uh, which provide opportunity for a lot of social workers to do that sort of upskilling and capacity building. Um, even a lot of literature, so I, I read a lot of like political and radical social work for that um, policy and and systems level uh, analysis and intellectualization. Whether it's you know the sociological the sociological imagination by C Wright Mills, right through to Fook, or to um uh, you know current more current writings. And what we can also look at is um, you know further study. I'm doing. Uh, I've done my masters. Um, and finishing off a lot of part of it um, in public health uh, and health management and leadership. So really looking at those, those further qualifications, whether it's, um, and, you know, besides a master of social work or besides a, um, something specifically in our field, broadening out to that um, management or MBA or masters of public administration um, or policy studies even, which sort of help in that way. Uh, and which can, can be very complementary to any current um, work or voluntary voluntary experience that you're doing. But also, the, also to that, when you get into these roles that I was talking about before, opportunities come up as well. So um, for example, as president of the WSW, I'm doing governance training, which is offered to um, branch presidents, which is done through um, the Governance Institute uh, or, um, even you know uh, through the Australian um, Company uh, Institute of uh, sorry the Australian Institute of Company Directors uh, on the boards I'm on they offer training as well. So I say just to get your foot in the door uh, and even try and find those opportunities. Put your hand out for something, run for it, and things come out of that as well.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. It, um, it really shows the journey that you can take and sometimes very intentionally and sometimes things just pop up that you find interesting and that takes you to something else that you find interesting and uh, create a whole career out of it.
1: Yeah, it can be very relational as well and based on relationships and who you know uh, who's around you um, because what, you, what, what is sometimes helpful is speaking to people on that level who have the same, same interests as well. And you sort of emerge in conversation and through dialogue and and when you meet others and, and in meetings as well, things come out of that. And it's um, really interesting sort of seeing how that happens. Um, so I really encourage yeah, your listeners to sort of pursue, pursue those interests.
0: Absolutely. I would encourage them to do the same. One thing um, I wanted to ask you is how do you, Um, keep maybe reminding yourself not not to lose sight of the real world impact so how do you I know when students are doing a research project on as part of their placement or they're in a policy role they can feel really disconnected from the kind of human to human work that they maybe thought they were doing or they find it really um, you know sometimes they lose sight of what impact um, sort of behind the scenes work can have what are some of your maybe your advice or anything that you've sort of um, found that's been helpful for you to remember the impact that that policy or research or anything that sort of sounds administrative but can really have a huge impact on the lives of people that we
1: that we want to work with? So, working with people on a daily basis uh, versus working in the policy landscape, there is a big big divide and I felt that quite strongly when I was that inside policy um, doing that evaluation and policy development um, in an office in the city when I was speaking about, you know, indigenous affairs and the impacts in rural remote areas. And that's why it was very important for me um, in that role to go out to you know communities um, to do that co-design process and working on the front line, um, uh, working in those communities to co-design that on their level and on and bringing it, you know, starting where they're at. Um, and that's when bad policy is also created, where it's not done in partnership or in dialogue. Um, what I also see as important, what you know, what we can do is, and I think what we do very well as social workers is, is that we are able to use our experience at the cold face um, and linking that into policy whether it's at a hospital doing quality improvement or research and looking at how gaps are identified in clinical services or in any service based off patient need or or client need and linking that into you know policy in a in a hospital system or on a district level or even in you know taking it and gradually over time taking it on a government or new south wales or, or state-based level um when we're talking about advocacy as well advocacy for me is speaking truth to power so speaking truth the words of others to people in power and poli- and politicians and the like and you can't do that if it's not in partnership with the community or on a grassroots level so it always needs to be it needs to be there needs to be um a, a multi-pronged, top-down, bottom-up approach in all of this work, and I think social workers are well-equipped, skilled, um, and empathetic and connected enough to do that. And if they don't feel like they are skilled enough to do that, um, that's where the sort of you know training comes from, and just putting your hand up for something. Where these sort of governance and um, training can come into, but really drawing on your ethics and your WSW ethics and coded ethics and values to sort of complement that training because a lot of this training is very business and corporate. So never lose sight of your core social work values.
0: That's, um, you said that so beautifully. There were so many, um, I guess, words of wisdom in that and really looking at the values and bringing it back to why we're doing what we're doing. Thank you. <laughs> Do you, what, would you in your role have, you know, the equip, like what would your equivalent be of, um, or maybe you'd have like supervision, like if you're, that you'd still be at risk of burnout and there'd be like mm. trauma and compassion fatigue, all the things that on the ground um, sort of consumer-facing roles have, how do you manage that on a policy level? Because I would imagine it maybe doesn't get the same recognition, but having friends who've worked in um, things like uh, coroner, coronial inquests and and mm. where they're reading lots of things, st- like things where you're digesting lots of information, even if it's at an arm's length from the people themselves. Um, and I imagine policy and co-design would involve a lot of that too. How do you keep, you know burnout at bay and and what is your self-care and supervision what what's happening in that
1: space for you yeah what i what i would say to that is that i often and i surround myself with um a lot of mentors and and um and people who are able to i'm able to you know reach out to on a on a semi-regular basis who um i've met in different roles so i like for example at liverpool hospital or at St Vincent's or even um, uh, in my consultancy role or, or even my political experience, I have different people who bring out different things and are able to, you know, social workers as well, um, in those roles who are able to provide that guidance and mentorship. Um, in terms of supervision, uh, it's very difficult because some of these roles, you're not in a specifically a social worker role. Where supervision isn't automatically supported or talked about, or or um, set aside or protected, or given protected time. So really, you know, setting uh, as a as a worker and as an individual, really making that as a focus and using um, your relationships to sort of have that time set aside. What I do is I have my uh, monthly catch up uh, with uh, my. My mentors, who are you know, who are give that supervision. Um, I my supervision is always quite casual um, because I'm quite casual in approach with most of my things. But uh, I really like to debrief. I um, I use my supervision to sort of intellectualize different policy and and what the next steps are um, within different initiatives, Um, but also recapping and refreshing um and what's the next thing because you can't with a lot of these things it's different to the band-aids that we are often doing a lot of the time um and it's more macro and it's there uh but really you don't you can't stay around for it to you know monitor it in a lot of ways because that's up to government or up to a different sector and it's really about what's the next fight ahead and that's what I focus on and that's what keeps me driven and going and um and passionate, but also it's a good way of coping with uh, the pressures that come with this sort of work. Uh, and that's just my experience.
0: Yeah, and I think what you were saying around like having mentors and peers and, other, and people in your network um, really rings true for a lot of people in that advocacy space where you can look back and have gratitude and look at what you've achieved, but often there's still so much ahead that having other people who understand what you're going through and um, sort of either fighting the same fight or advocating for the same cause or just have that awareness of what you're doing and, and how you're being intentional about it can can make you feel supported and have a bit of a mm. community.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: before we um, before we sort of wind up, there, or wrap up, are there any? sort of things that you would encourage sort of new graduates or students who are close to graduating to think about when, you know, choosing their career path or about getting involved in stuff. If they're feeling like maybe I don't know enough or I can't really Mm. contribute yet. Or, um, you know, I know for me, I've always avoided politics. I'm a terrible writer and I have no attention to detail and the spelling mistakes everywhere. Like what are some of the (laughs) the things that, um, you know, bits of advice or things you can, Uh,
1: share with listeners yeah I guess in terms of the so the I it's funny funny enough like with policy work you are doing a lot of writing um so what my advice is, is that you know uni is a great preparation for it so really using uni as a good opportunity to sort of taste test different things whether it's you know running for um student office or you know that campaign stuff or student rights and welfare to writing essays, to um, doing that research, which comes with policy as well, but also that stakeholder work that is very central to that. Um, I wouldn't even call myself a very strong writer. Um, I would say that I, like, I write different pieces for media and stuff and that's different sort of writing to academic, um, to academic writing, for one, and even policy writing. I think what the skill is, though, is being able to use different audiences and avenues to talk about different issues, which I think social workers are well-equipped at, um, from you know speaking to the client in a counselling room or in you know, a patient care situation um, to a casual sort of encounter as well, and being able to tailor that and even, you know, taking it into a more advocacy space space as well. Um, To, you know, graduates and uh, people at uni, I would say, yeah, do that taste testing, really figure out what you want to do and what you like. University is a great opportunity to do that. That's what I did. Uh, I would also say get involved in the AASW, the Australian Association of Social Workers, um, especially if you're in the New South Wales branch and meet with me and I'm very happy to support you and mentor you uh but what as well is it's a good opportunity to sort of uh experience that policy and advocacy work from a social work association perspective and that can give you uh, a leg up or you know an opportunity to sort of engage on other organizations what I did was is that I was very passionate about the civil society and community sector and social services so that's why I'm on you know ncos and youth action and involved in healthcare and public services as well. Um, so really using an opportunity to sort of engage in your professional association can be a great way to do that. And it's only 40 to $50 as a member, just plugging that.
0: <laughs> no worries. Um, so I'm really hearing uh, you sort of encouraging people to just to get out there and put themselves out there and, and network and give things a go and be involved. and um hopefully you know i think as you do that your your competence grows and then your confidence grows and um it just it's a bit of a cycle isn't it really
1: yeah i think it's sort of like exposure therapy um really just doing it again and again and again and you sort of develop that skill but also that um the adrenaline that you experience when you present or when you go to a conference um that nervousness that comes with that. Like I still get nerves when I present or when I'm speaking on inquiry, but because I've been doing it enough, I sort of use the energy and the passion to sort of take me to the next level, which I think we should all do in our work when we're speaking about, whether it's when it's speaking to a client directly or speaking about a policy or an inquiry. Um, And, it can be difficult at first. And I don't think social workers are normally comfortable with that or don't usually engage on that level. But the more of us that are doing it, the better that policy will become um, and more informed it will be for populations that really need it and that are vulnerable and doing it tough. Uh, But we also know as social workers that um, these communities hold the answers to their solutions and that we can enable access to them um, as a profession.
0: Mm, absolutely thank you so much jack um before we go are there any sort of resources or books or anything you sort of want to recommend to people if you if you can't think of them now we can add some in the show notes um but anything off the top of your head that you think's worth people doing a bit of extra reading
1: yeah anything um that is titled Political um, and Radical Social Work. Uh, that, that would be great, um, building up your literature on that. Um, there is the Institute for Political Social Work, um, the School for Political um, Social Work at uh, the University of Connecticut and um, Austin University in the US. They have a lot of literature there about you know, policy work and, and working with government around social work matters, but also social work as political um and doing that policy work um, the sociological imagination by c right Mills, where he talks about private issues and public issues and the linking between say for example um you know the private issue of mental health of an individual but reflecting on the fact that one in four people experience mental health so what is happening on a structural level that we need to improve um and what are the solutions for that Uh, and really you know social work has been that conduit or in between to sort of navigating that landscape Uh, so there's some really uh, useful resources that I've had in my past.
0: Great well if you you think of any more you send them over and we can add them in. Um, Will do. Great well thanks so much it's been such an interesting um, conversation I always learn so much and I'm always constantly amazed by the variety of roles that social workers can um can get into and how we can use you know our skills across so many different sectors it's really incredible to hear
1: your your social work journey no worries thank you for today and thank you for all that you're doing and i hope that your listeners get a lot out of it i'm sure they will thanks jack no worries thank you for having me
0: thanks for listening i hope you enjoyed my interview with jack um Feel free to share the episode with other social workers, uh, anyone who you think would be interested in listening and finding out a bit more about working in policy or advocacy. Uh, And there'll be some links in the show notes where you can find some of those resources that Jack has mentioned in our interview today. Have a great day. Bye.